From the Ryerson Review of Journalism, this is Poll Quotes. I'm Emily Pardo. And I'm Laura Howells. It's 1937, and here's what the Globe and Mail has to say about cannabis, a.k.a. the narcotic evil. Marijuana has been known to turn quiet, respectable youths into raving murderers, seeking victims to satisfy their delusions. Fast forward 80 years, and the Globe's report on business now has a reporter covering cannabis companies pretty much full-time. There's been a lot of changes in how Canadian news organizations cover cannabis, especially after Justin Trudeau unveiled his legalization plan last year. As weed becomes an unavoidable part of the public conversation, Canadian media organizations have been racing to catch up on their coverage. Outlets have started assigning reporters to the weed beat and running front page stories on every aspect of the cannabis sector. Ben Waldman is one of our colleagues at the Ryerson Review of Journalism, and he's written a feature on the weed beat and how it's been growing in news organizations. Hey, Ben. Hey, Laura. How's it going? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Great. So, Ben, what first got you interested in the weed beat? So, I knew that I wanted to work at the Ryerson Review of Journalism uh, in the fall semester. So, when I headed into my summer internship in Winnipeg, I was looking everywhere for a story that would still be relevant the next summer when the print issue would come out. And just by happenstance, the same week that I got there, the Winnipeg Free Press hired a cannabis uh, reporter. And I found it strange that a newspaper, let alone one in Winnipeg, would bring on a reporter dedicated to covering a beat. And I thought to myself, this must be something that's going to be pretty big in the news media in the next year if, it, if a newspaper is willing to bring on a staffer dedicated to covering it full time. You wrote in your feature that a few years ago, if any major paper had suggested dedicating themselves to a cannabis beat, they probably would have been accused of being a bit high themselves. Um, when did you start to see changes in how news organizations approach covering marijuana? So for myself, I, I've only been a re- really critical consumer of news for, I'd say, probably six years since about the time I was 17. But basically, as soon as the legalization idea started to take hold in Canada in recent years, you started to see it being covered with a bit more of a critical lens by the Canadian journalists. And that all really came to a head last year when Justin Trudeau announced his intentions to legalize marijuana in Canada. So uh, I really noticed a beginning, I, I would say like late 2015, early 2016, but it really, really the last 2016 to 2017 transition, that's when all these news outlets started to treat it as more of a serious topic, at least in terms of where it's placed within the newspaper. Uh, That tells you a lot about how seriously somebody takes a topic, where they put it on their paper, where they put it on their website. And rather than being buried deep in sections that nobody ever flips to, cannabis stories were actually on the front page, at the top of the city and business page. And that's a trend that I think is probably going to continue for quite a while. What did you find in terms of what they're doing differently in terms of their coverage? So I think a lot of it has to do with changing the way they think about cannabis fundamentally. For a long time, people and journalists specifically approached it as a strictly criminal substance. It's associated with uh, narcotics that maybe they don't want to be promoting within their pages. A lot of papers see themselves as family newspapers or uh, TV networks don't want to put that sort of stuff on the air. But now it's a topic that's being taught about in schools, it's being taught about in universities. There are whole programs being developed in order to prepare for the cannabis industry boom. 
So newspapers have started to see it as a more legitimate topic. And more news organizations are actually hiring like dedicated weed beat reporters, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, it started out, uh, there's places like the Denver Post had the cannabis several years ago. They were sort of ahead of the trend because obviously Colorado was the first state in the U.S. to sort of experiment with weed legalization. I think that happened in 2014. But since then, there's papers like the San Francisco Chronicle. The Boston Globe has a dedicated weed newsletter every week. And just a couple months ago, the Associated Press announced that they were creating a 10-person beat team to cover cannabis nationwide. And this is the Associated Press, the country's biggest wire service, investing in 10 reporters to cover an industry in its entirety. And that's really something major in terms of the legitimacy of cannabis within journalism. In Canada and the U.S., it's probably something that's going to take hold other places as well. Yeah, so you mentioned some of the what uh, American news organizations have been doing. Uh, what have you seen specifically in terms of Canadian, uh, especially Canadian mainstream news organizations? So uh, the first exposure that I had to it really was noticing that the Winnipeg Free Press started out their own dedicated weed reporting website called The Leaf. Uh, The free press is paywalled. Every article costs 27 cents for non-subscribers, but The Leaf is actually not paywalled. And that sort of showed me that this is a topic that maybe Canadian newspapers know that the rest of the world is watching. And then when I looked into it further for my uh, review feature, I reached out to people from the National Post and Toronto Star, And I really noticed in their coverage that they were treating it with more legitimacy as well, even though they haven't announced a dedicated reporter the same way the Free Press has. But papers like the Georgia Strait in Vancouver have been really covering weed and cannabis and the whole space of cannabis with a pretty critical eye for quite a while. So there are some places that have been ahead of the curve. It's just now that the mainstream is really catching up. The Financial Post recently brought on Mark Rendell to be a dedicated weed reporter. Vice News has several reporters who count weed among their many beats. Canadian Press has its business editor, Sonny Freeman, who used to be a a marijuana industry reporter for the Financial Post. Now she's a business editor at CP. And they have a reporter named Armina Ligaya, who covers cannabis uh, as one of her topics almost exclusively, though. Um, Even places like the Globe and Mail, as you mentioned in your intro, have a dedicated reporter covering the publicly traded cannabis companies in Canada. So that's something that I don't think would have been seen a while ago. If you look at the Business News Network main website, they have a ticker at the top with all their main topics. And you won't see investments until you scroll all the way to the right. The second one is marijuana news. And that's something that definitely wouldn't have happened a while ago. But that tells you how closely investors are watching these stocks. It tells you how closely uh, people invested in this business, whether it's through their uh, being a consumer or being just interested, uh, are. So to see a major publication, again, not burying it deep within their, their newspaper, their website, putting it right at the front, it tells you quite a lot about the way that these places are starting to see it. Yeah, you, you mentioned to me how in writing this story, it was, it was almost kind of a challenge because there kept, you know, being new developments and, and new news organizations that like were continuously changing and updating mm-hmm. sort of how they... Yeah, another challenge to it is that with this uh, legalization uh, issue, a, a lot of new folds uh, tend to come out as uh, it nears. So people come up with challenges in the U.S. The attorney general has really thrown things up when he's changed the way that the states sort of legalize cannabis and have their own rights to do so. Um, So those sorts of things really shake things up for the way that Canada works as well. 
you also have to really analyze the way that the illegal uh, cannabis industry, the black market, has been operating. And lots of newspapers are doing a decent job in sort of educating their readers on that. But as they're educating them, I'm also learning myself. So you learn a lot of new information as you're sort of digging deeper into this topic. And I had never been somebody who was super invested in the cannabis industry as a consumer, as a reader, before I really took on this project. But since then, I've seen just how fascinating it is in terms of how much changes so fast. And I think it's going to be super interesting to watch just how much the Canadian public reacts to legalization and to see how the news media treats it, whether they sensationalize it, whether they normalize it. These questions are ones that are going to be vital for how the rest of the world views Canadian media. If we do a good job covering it, it'll mean that we are not sensationalizing. It'll mean that we're asking critical questions and being critical of the government. Uh, and there's a lot of people who actually were part of the government who used to be against legalization, like Julian Fantino, who's now a chairperson of a cannabis company. You see these little changes, these little wrinkles, and it's just really fascinating to watch unfold. Well, we're going to bring in now two people who are reporters on cannabis themselves and live and breathe the marijuana beat. Amanda Siebert is the full-time cannabis editor at the Georgia Strait, uh, which you mentioned, Ben. The Georgia Strait is an alt paper in Vancouver. And Jay Rosenthal is the co-founder of Business of Cannabis, an online platform for news and analysis about the business of Canada's cannabis sector. Hi, Jay, and hi, Amanda. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you both for coming on. So, Amanda, I want to start with you. Uh, how did you get into cannabis reporting? Did, did you choose the weed beat or, or did it choose you? Hmm. Um, I guess it sort of chose me. I started out at the Georgia Strait as a generalist, so I uh, covered everything from arts to, um, you know, some news events, music, uh, things like that. And then um, I started writing a few pieces here and there that um, touched on cannabis. Uh, I think one of them that sort of stuck out to me was an interview with Tommy Chong. And then I guess my editor sort of uh, realized that it was something I was interested in, and um, they asked me if it w was something that I wanted to focus on full-time. And I thought, you know, why not? Um, it's going to be this huge industry in Canada. It's already a really big thing in Vancouver and has been for many, many years. Um, the Strait has always sort of uh, covered this with, uh, yeah, sort of the approach of, you know, you were mentioning earlier, um, normalizing versus sensationalizing. We've always tried to have a little bit of cannabis coverage in there. So yeah, I'm uh, excited to be sort of taking that to the next level. So what kind of stories do you find yourself covering day to day when cannabis is your beat? Hmm. For the most part right now, um, the news cycle is pretty intense. Um, you know, every day there are mergers, there are uh, announcements coming up from provinces about how they're going to handle regulations, there are different businesses that are vying for um, opportunities and, you know, people from the black market transitioning. And so every day there's something different. Um, I try and focus on, you know, the... Uh, you know, current news events and things like that. But when I can uh, squeeze in something that is, you know, lifestyle oriented or um, maybe highlights, you know, the medical efficacy of cannabis, I try and do that as well. Jay, uh, your outlet looks specifically at, at business stories around cannabis. Um, I mean, why did you start up this new digital organization, Business of Cannabis? It's a great question. So we, uh, me and uh, two of my business partners, we were exploring the sector, I would say a year and a half ago saying we know a lot of people in law and finance, even at some of the LPs that were developing or applications that were in. And it was such a fascinating story. Every, every time you dig a little bit deeper to learn more, there are these wrinkles, as Ben put it, that are just fascinating. 
right? It's not just the cannabis beat, which is interesting, but the cannabis beat covers so much. There's almost nothing that it doesn't touch around the Canadian economy, which is what we were really focused on, right? There's certainly an agricultural perspective. There's a farmer perspective. There's an environmental impact perspective. Um, there's technology and lifestyle and education and workforce. It's just a little bit of everything or a lot of bit of everything. So, so it was a bit about we, we had seen all the parts of the economy that it touched and was going to touch moving forward. And we said we would love to help tell that story, right? There is a real lack of knowledge, I think, Less so maybe from sort of reporters that are covering it, but more so from the general public. They just don't know a lot about the industry. And especially in places that are not Vancouver or not uh, BC uh, specifically, there's a real confusion about what is the sector and what's not the sector, right? The sector that it's developing under the ACMPR, which is the regulatory sort of oversight from Health Canada, is very specific of what that industry is. It's those publicly traded companies and large companies that need lots of capital to start, and they're going to be distributed in very specific ways, and it's partly the province and partly municipalities, and all of those things are the sort of capital I industry. We wanted to help sort of shed a light on that. Uh, everybody we met, or many of the people we met, had done something that most sort of, that Canada is not necessarily known for, but really pushed all their chips in. Right. It really is a startup can-do culture. Um, it reminds me, I worked in California for 15 years, and it reminds me a lot of Silicon Valley where people have an idea, go raise the capital, go do it, like to hell with the consequences. And even in this perspective, like it is a highly regulated industry now, there are still so many regulatory um, hurdles or unknowns coming, yet they've made a bet on this, on this industry. And that is fascinating to talk to and about. And the other part that was really interesting, and this is uh, just for more anecdotal, it wasn't sort of one, one slice of the sort of demography that was actually being covered, right? It was, there are many people that bring broad perspective to this. Some people come from ag, some people come from pharma, many people come from finance, some people had a greenhouse and wanted to convert, some people come from the, sort of from the, the black or gray market, but really want to be part of the sector. And that was interesting because anytime you can talk about the people in the sector, it's so broad and so interesting, and that's really what we wanted to shed a light on, and that's really a lot of what we do. Ben, based on your reporting, what did weed reporting or what did reporting on cannabis typically look like in the past? Well, I actually have a pretty good view of specifically the free press because I grew up in Winnipeg, and a lot of the times the stories you'd see would be drug busts and people at the legislature smoking on 420. And other than that, you really didn't see much, and I assume that it was pretty much the case in other cities growing up. But in terms of the national news, it's, it's sort of the same idea. It's that it was covered as a criminal substance. And then on 420, when it was legal for people to go out and smoke in public, uh, it was put on the front page. People were plastered on with bongs and joints. And the headlines would be like, lighting up, blaze it, 420. And there wasn't much critical coverage. It was more just that if there was critical coverage, it was buried. It was not was not at the forefront of news coverage. So growing up, I didn't see very much weed in newspapers at all. And I assume it had something to do with where I'm from. Obviously, in places like uh, Vancouver, it's an issue that's pretty uh, deeply connected to the city. But where I'm from, I didn't see much of it at all. And now you see it everywhere. And uh, one thing I didn't get to mention was Solomon Israel, the Winnipeg Free Press, uh, or the Leaf uh, cannabis reporter, he had produced some documentaries for CBC 
about cannabis, but uh, they weren't ready to commit to a cannabis reporter, which is sort of part of the reason why he ended up coming to Winnipeg when they had the job posting. From CBC. Yeah. But now CBC has this great podcast called On Drugs, and they just recently did two episodes, not just one, about their host going to Colorado to see what cannabis legalization looks like on the ground. So within a span of two years, you see a network saying, okay, we're not entirely convinced that a beat is necessary to having a podcast dedicated to the topic of drugs that's actually one of their most popular ones now i I mean amanda and jay like you both work for organizations that uh, they're not sort of mainstream news organizations and jay in particular your your organization is dedicated specifically to cannabis Mm -hmm. coverage obviously as ben's saying there have been these changes in um, mainstream canadian journalism in its approach to weed but what do you see when you look at the state of cannabis journalism in canada right now i think it's it's encouraging on the one hand that that outlets are making investments right into the reporting component of it. I think that's for sure needed, required. A major shift is happening in Canada. Whether that has major implications or not over time, I think is yet to be seen. But but it's a major shift on a regulatory, on a local level, on, on municipal, on taxes, on, on a whole variety of things, on businesses. I think that's encouraging. I think it's also um, because of the, the width and breadth of the, the industry, you're going to miss a lot. Right. And I think there is a frustration on the full breadth of the industry. That's like, well, we only get covered on publicly traded companies. We get covered on sort of consumer facing stuff that is cool or hip. But there's not a lot of contextualizing between those two things. Right. You, you were talking about um, I think it's the Globe Mail has a full time reporter on the publicly traded. Great. The publicly traded companies in Canada are just but a handful, even mm-hmm. though there's there's many. It's just but a handful of what the industry is. I think more compelling stories and more. Um, ones that would provide greater context or what goes into that, mm-hmm. right? The actual inputs into that, those publicly traded companies, I think are where Canada is really innovating and where they're going to be leading not only in Canada but worldwide, especially on sort of large-scale grow. That's really happening here, but it's got so many inputs and that's really happening here, which is really compelling. And I think we'll get there in terms of the contextualizing of that reporting. I also think the part that is missed um, or is uh, could be covered better is that we're not developing something that's like California or Colorado yet, right? We're going to have a very straightforward approach to what is legal and what is not now and moving forward. And, and we may end up like California, Colorado in terms of variety of products, you know, loosening of regulatory controls somewhere down the line, but we're not there yet. I mean, we are starting from like the tightest possible uh, controls, which is not where either any of those states started from. And, and we see that Canada is being looked to, certainly vis-a-vis the states, uh, the eastern states that are about to roll out more robust medical plans or medicinal cannabis regimes are looking at Canada's guidance, not California or Colorado, right? It really is, um, they really want to be more like Canada than sort of the western states because they see what Canada did as thoughtful, as highly regulated, Yes, capital intensive for sure, but that's the way government A can make money from taxes. B make sure that the people who are supposed to get it get it, and all the, all the things that have happened here. So it's a bit the contextualizing of what's happening here in Canada versus what's happening in the states. The contextualizing of the full breadth of the industry is compelling, and I think the forward-looking story, which is so many things are going to happen in Canada that couldn't happen in the states, just because it's not legal federally, and because it's happening on such a grand scale, research development, not only in terms of how to grow at scale, but also the research you can do on the medicinal front based on the amount of product that's going to be developed here, I think is quite compelling. And I think that is the sort of 2.0 kind of stories. And do you think those stories are, are 
getting sufficient coverage right now? I don't. But unless it's its own section every day, I'm not sure it's going to. So, I mean, there's this frustration in any industry. Nobody thinks they're covered enough adequately, right? There's just not. And I mean, aside from sports. Amanda, what mistakes or gaps do you see reporters making when it comes to cannabis coverage? Um, well, first, I guess I'd have to agree with Jay on pretty much every point he made there. Um, you know, it's such a broad industry, and there are so many things that can get missed. I mean, if you look at it from, you know, a perspective of scale, you can start with, I can think of community-based stories in, in specific um, areas in Vancouver about cannabis. Then I can think about the city. Then I can make it bigger and, and think about the province. And, and then, you know, um, you the federal level and, you know, the interaction between Canada and the United States. And, you know, what about the broader context? you know um, uh, you know the UN and, and all these other things um, there there are so many different things to cover and so it's definitely um, challenging to to cover all of that I think in terms of mistakes I mean definitely you know having that knowledge when you're when you're covering a specific beat is important and I think a lot of reporters that are covering the cannabis beat in Canada are sort of just kind of thrown into the mix and maybe they don't have the the background or or the prior knowledge of um, the plan and that it's not necessarily true that they they need that but you know having that research or that um, background uh, can be really helpful and so I can definitely notice when a reporter is covering a cannabis related topic and it's something that they're not familiar with you know you just see um, gaps in in um, certain terminology and things like that. But I think we're getting there. I think you're seeing so much more um, coverage in terms of different aspects. You know, right now it's really industry heavy, um, which is great, but there are so many different sides to it too. You know, uh, we have issues with, you know, medical patients and, you know, a lot of people right now are talking about the 10% tax that the federal government is trying to impose on on people who use medical marijuana. So, yeah, there are lots of different things that um, that could be certainly more focused on. Um, but I think that there's definitely um, a move industry-wide to sort of be more um, complete and uh, contextual, I guess, in that coverage. I was just reminded, Ben, I, I know there's a, a part in your feature where you, you talk to a reporter who, who remembers a scrum where a reporter, maybe you can describe this better, but a reporter basically asks, you know, is this stuff dangerous? Yeah, basically, uh, the reporter I was speaking to was Manisha Krishnan from Vice, and she was at a provincial uh, press conference about how the province of Ontario was going to be rolling out its uh, distribution of cannabis in sort of like provincial shops. And one reporter, in her recollection, sort of angled in and I imagine it is like a 1950s reporter with the press card in his hat being like, so tell me, is this stuff dangerous? <laughs> and she just there, she said I was, she was just rolling her eyes and thinking like, are we still here? It's, it's such a weed 101 understanding. Mm-hmm. It was her word exactly. And uh, I think that that it, it honestly, when I heard that somebody asked that question, it, the, the, the worst part about it was that it didn't shock me. It's like, we're at this this press conference and you hear this question that doesn't really add much to the conversation you're not like you don't need to ask the premier to find out if something is dangerous you could easily google that yourself but you're wasting like media time to ask a question like that when there's actual issues things that you want to get ironed out so the public has more understanding that's not the place for that type of question. So it comes back to weed, li- weed literacy. Amanda, we were talking about reporters having a certain base of knowledge. What do you think a, a good reporter like really needs to know when you're covering a story uh, about the industry or just about a, marijuana in general? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, there are so many different 
different aspects to it. So I'm not quite sure where to start. But um, it's helpful just to go into it with an open mind. You know, um, the thing that people forget is cannabis was, or cannabis prohibition only began in Canada like less than a century ago. So um, before that, um, it was used commonly. You know, it was something that you would find in your medicine cabinet. Um, and so this whole approach and this, this stigma is a new thing. So I would just say to any reporter, like, looking to cover anything cannabis-oriented. Suspend any any ideas you might have about who cannabis users are or who the business people are behind these uh, these licensed producers or, or what have you. Um, every business owner, every person involved in this industry is different. So the, to paint them all with um, this kind of stoner brush is uh, definitely the first step in the wrong direction, uh, I would say. And um, try and familiarize yourself with some basic terms, you know? Um, know that cannabis is the preferred term. Um, marijuana is kind of falling to the wayside. Just go in with, yeah, some uh, prior knowledge, I guess. That's interesting. I didn't realize that marijuana was kind of falling falling off. You should read all of Amanda's stuff that she's ever written. That would be a good start, too. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and any other terms that, that people should be looking out for? Um, hmm... That's oh, it just opens up such a huge can of worms. Um, yeah, I mean, I I don't want to get into too much because I feel like, that, yeah, there's there's so many different ways to go down. But um, in the context of the law, knowing the difference between the medical use, um, you know, the ACMPR, and what is coming down for recreational users, um, things like that. You know, the the legislation is definitely a huge thing. That's definitely an area that I've seen um, journalists sort of um, glom on to certain things, but not looking, you know, specifically at things. You know, you see a lot of people saying, I mean, now we know that it's definitely not happening July 1st, but for a long time we saw a lot of people saying, you know, cannabis is going to be legal on July 1st. Well, no, actually, like, that was never officially said, but yeah. I, I remember for a long time you couldn't see a story with about cannabis without seeing, you know, a, a pun in the headline or something about Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm definitely uh, was guilty of that at the beginning as well, and here and there they might slide in, but yeah, um, you do see a lot of that sort of punny kind of approach to cannabis writing and I I think some people appreciate it I think some people you know maybe they're they're getting tired of it but um, I think what it does say is that at least people are approaching it in a different way it's not like such a horrible scary thing anymore people are starting to realize that you know we can be light and fun about this topic and we don't have to you know be afraid and yeah. Ben in, in your feature you you talk about how when the Winnipeg Free Press put out their advertisement looking for a cannabis reporter, there were a lot of jokes on Twitter. And the Winnipeg Free Press editor said, you know, we're, we're definitely not looking for somebody to be in the corner with a bong. Um, but it does raise the question, and I, and I want to ask uh, Amanda and Jay, I mean, do you feel like you need to be familiar with cannabis use in order to do good reporting on cannabis? Well, it, it certainly doesn't hurt. <laughs> I mean, it, it really doesn't hurt. And and, and even the, the jokes, and, and, and Amanda put it well, that 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 in some contexts it's it's certainly okay in other contexts you know talking about a publicly traded company maybe not especially if you're like the CEO of the publicly traded company you have a responsibility to shareholders and the like um, but but i think it, look you could be very you could be steeped in this industry write about it really well and not have used the product because there's lots of great reporters who never use whatever they're writing about right i'm sure that you know there's there's people who write about the beverage industry that have never taken a drink or recovering alcoholics or whatever it is, right? There's, there's a bit of that. At the same time, uh, it, it doesn't hurt 
to be familiar with the product. And even even as much as going through the process to get a doctor to actually like, – like there's a little bit of an experiential thing here where if you actually become a patient – not that you would ever write about that, but that would actually inform, I think, how you view. view it could make an interesting story, actually. Great, oh, great so. story. See, I just gave you one back. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'll put that in my pocket. There you go. But but I actually think it, it is it is quite compelling, and it's it's a bit about just learning the industry, right? But but also, I don't think it's required, right? I think it's it's a it's an interesting enough story with lots of different angles that it could be compelling whether or not you're familiar with it. At the same time, there's not no learning curve, right? It is new. If you never use the product, you could still learn all those things, but learning all those things take some time, right? This is not just people growing cannabis in their backyard and now selling it at a store. It's it, it's the exact opposite of that, right? There is a science and skill behind growing at scale. There is technology that 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 tracks every single component all the way to your door. Um, that's that's a much of that as a Canadian invention, both of those things. There is what is coming down the line in terms of product variation and product that that some people in California have seen, but it's going to be different in, in Canada, and I think that's compelling. But understanding all of those things it may not take four years, but does take some ramp up. And and I was I wasn't really kidding. Like reading people like Amanda over time and seeing how they've written about it, as well as folks who write about sort of the hard business story, you know, at the Globe and Mail. Like both of those things will help inform you about what the industry is and does. And it's not just. There are different perspectives across this country. There's a very different perspective in BC and Vancouver in particular than there is in downtown Toronto. Amanda, any thoughts there? Yeah, I definitely uh, agree with Jay. I think it's not um, by any means, you know, uh, a requirement, but um, it does sort of provide some context into those sort of specific areas that take time to, like Jay said, you know, there's a there's a learning curve to this. Um, it takes time to sort of learn all of those specifics. So using cannabis, yeah, it's sort of like a shortcut to learning some of those things, I'd say. Definitely not a requirement. The other nice part about the sector, and if even if you start the history of the sector, and this is not the history of it, but you start at the beginning of ACMPR, right? So within... And can you just explain what... Yeah, it's the, it's the regulatory environment which people are operating under now for medical patients and growing and, and distributing and all that, right? That's only Amanda will get me on the date, but it's like it's like five years old, right? So, so the fact that people who've been in the that this part of the industry for a really long time have been in it like three years, right? So it's not – now there's a way longer history than that and a culture mm-hmm. that's related to that for sure. But to ramp up on what the industry is, like it's not that there's been like, oh, this person's been in it 35 years. We should go talk to them. Like there aren't – there are people that have been in a long time. I'm not saying they're not. But there are many more people who are in it now about the industry we're talking about, which mm-hmm. is – really relatively new. So to become expert in something that's relatively new is relatively easy versus entering a space where there's this built-in um, built in knowledge base that's going to take you 40 years. Like if you're a political reporter, it's much more difficult to catch up on 40 years of history, which actually is relevant today, than mm-hmm. catching up on four years of history, which is relevant today. Mm-hmm. Can, can I add just one thing, too, really quickly about um, – about journalists and, and cannabis and whether or not it's important to use or not. Um, I think it's interesting that in, in journalism, you know, a lot of journalists are, uh, there's sort of a running joke that, you know, journalists are, are big drinkers. Um, I th- I'm curious to see, you know, whether or not legalization is going to, um, are, you know, are we going to see an increase of journalists that are coming out of the woodwork that, you know, after work, maybe they're not going to the bar to have a beer, but they're smoking a joint after work. Um, yeah, I don't know, just something that I that I definitely have considered. <laughs> well, that's interesting because I mean, as the as we, when weed becomes legal, I, I'm just so curious about 
how the social environment will change in terms of where weed is considered appropriate. I mean, are we going to mm-hmm. see politicians smoking a joint with constituents? Like, you'd see them, like, sharing a beer. Or well, I, I actually think, um, and this is this is what has been seen in other places, and it's true in Vancouver now, fewer and fewer people are actually smoking joints. Like, that's the, if that's your mindset of what this is going to look like, it, it will look like that, of course. But more and more people are using other things other than smoke, rolling and smoking a joint, things mm-hmm. that are much more discreet, right, tinctures, vape pens like that's the trend with all the product variations in the states that's going to be the product variation trend here as well so i think you're much more likely to see people sort of grab a gummy down the line as they go to their office party as opposed to like roll a joint smoke it even though rolling a joint smoke it is certainly enjoyable and but i also think there's there's sort of sub pockets of any community be it journalists or be it construction workers be it you know lawyers that they're smoking now Right. And it's it's uh, it's in many in some ways or many ways it's it's covert. In other ways, it's becoming less and less. So I see it in my own sort of social circle, uh, which is self-selecting for sure. But but it becomes like those barriers are going to fall. I think they'll fall quicker in some places. But someone just did. I just saw on Twitter today, like Canadians consume a lot of cannabis and have for a very long time. So the, the taboo here has been less than it's been in in like North eastern states new england right it just it just is um and so the, the taboos may fall quicker the social norms may change faster um and may change faster than the regulatory environment that's set to govern them do you think the way that journalists write about cannabis will have an impact on how people uh, respond how people and perceive use, it or? perceive cannabis yeah and then okay. and going to use it um i think so i think um i think journalism has the ability to sort of um, influence the way people perceive something. I, I think um, we can see that in a number of contexts in the world right now. I won't <laughs> refer to anything specifically, but um, I think it's definitely, it's not necessarily our, our, our duty or our job to um, to perceive it a certain way, but or, or to, to talk about it a certain way, sorry. But um, I think that we, yeah, there's definitely, there's power there. And I, I'm hopeful that um, as cannabis is, sort of more normalized as it's something that, you know, becomes legal and um, people start, you know, people who have never used it start to experiment with it and, and, and so forth, um, that we see, you know, journalists and uh, different media companies approaching it in a different way. You know, if you, if you look at the way uh, the alcohol industry is covered or, you know, um, the food and beverage industry or, you know, restaurants, um, I'm hoping that in a few years we see not just the cannabis section in alternative newspapers, but in, in you know, a bigger paper where, who knows, maybe, you know, there will be um, restaurants serving infused food and things like that. Well, we have wine reviewers right now. Will mm-hmm. we have cannabis reviewers mm-hmm. in the Global exactly. Mail? Yeah. That would be the day. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, do you think, I mean, Ben, do you think that could happen? Oh, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think if there's ever a section of the population that's interested in buying something, there's a part of the media that's interested in reviewing it, and that could drive advertisers. Media is always looking for some way to get people's attention and that that has a lot to do with craft beer boom like you look at how people cover craft breweries when a new one opens there's always an article about it that doesn't happen with anything else like if i'm if i opened a craft brewery in my apartment and like emailed a media person with a tip and i emailed like 20 and i was like i'm a ryerson university student i'm starting a craft brewery in my small downtown toronto apartment i'm sure that somebody would write an article about it and I'm not I guarantee that somebody would do the same if somebody's starting some sort of business from on their own, like in that same regard with cannabis. It's just the media it it 
it follows a certain way that that people work and i think that we're at a point where people are interested in this topic and like in the new yorker last month i think there was a review of a restaurant in new york that had weed infused food it was at the front of the book it's like that's one of the first things you see when you flip it open there's a segment of the population that has money to spend and there's a segment of the population that wants to know where to spend their money so people are going to tell them and the newspapers and websites and youtube channels all these different things are going to try to answer that question for them with all these different places that cannabis touches all these different industries and economies i I don't expect that there won't be a cannabis reviewer next to the wine reviewer interesting and that in turn i I guess might influence how people then continue to perceive cannabis Mm -hmm. okay well ben i just i guess i want to just turn over for last question any final thoughts on what i mean based on all the research you've done what you you think of cannabis journalism and, and what's next for for journalism about the cannabis sector uh, I think something that Jay said earlier on is pretty much exactly where I stand. It's like we can't really tell where we're going to be until we have the chance to look back. You can either be right right now and say that it's going to continue to grow, or you could be one of the doubters and those people could be proven correct. Uh, I think that cannabis journalism just has to continue to be critical of the industry the same way they would be of other industries. They have to give context the same way that any other industry is given context. Um, and I hope that. I don't know, journalism schools, programs, university, education, like high school, they start to discuss this topic. So maybe when people do enter the media, they don't come at it from a blind spot. They actually have some sort of starting point where they have an understanding of the industry. They have an understanding of the realities of cannabis as opposed to the fictions that maybe have been perpetrated for the last like century since prohibition was uh, enacted. I think that a lot of it uh, maybe journalists journalists love to give themselves pat on the pats on the back. I do think that they have a, a potential to impact the way people view cannabis, but I think that the media in entirety, including like movies and celebrities and all these advertisements, that's going to play into it too. And the media is just one part of it. I think journalism, just it, as opposed to those other ones, they have a responsibility to the people who are reading it to not mislead them and to give them accurate depictions of the industry itself so i hope that that's what happens and i hope that like as young journalists graduate from school they're looking to cover this industry because it's one that's growing and i think if you see that these beats are being added there's not that many places adding jobs right now and uh it's really interesting for me to be starting my career graduating from ryerson right now to see that this is somewhere that newspapers are investing money in so i i'm i'm going to be very interested to see how it all pans out i I would just like to say this and this is we, we act there's an interesting parallel happening here between uh, let's call it um, physicians in training, so people in med school and doctors out in the world. There's a there. I think there's a real gap between what physicians in training in med schools are thinking about related to cannabis versus doctors in practice. Like the ones that are in school now are much more likely to prescribe than the ones currently outside. Similarly, I think journalists in training or in schools are much better informed about the industry because there's barely any stigma around cannabis use for younger people, right? Whereas the stigma and the history of it is much more prevalent among older journalists, right? So there really is this coming wave in nearly any sort of sort of sector, whether it's journalism, whether it's medicine, that actually is going to really take hold of this industry, whether it's from covering it or prescribing it, that is really exciting. And for us old folk, that's a breath of fresh air. I'm an old man at heart, so it's kind of weird for me. But I, I'm an old man in reality. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah I think it's really um, crucial that now that the stigma around cannabis is sort of lessening, that we really ramp up the education. Um, you know, people are aware of the sort of surface 
idea of, of cannabis and cannabis use and who cannabis users are, but um, that's really opened up. And so I think um, it's up to to journalists to sort of um, bring that, that nuanced approach and, and uh, yeah, really um, try and educate readers as well about uh, about yeah, what cannabis legalization is going to bring for Canadians. Well, thank you all so much for coming in and talking about this. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. (laughs) That was Amanda Siebert, cannabis editor at the Georgia Strait in Vancouver, Jay Rosenfall, co-founder of The Business of Cannabis, and Ben Waldman, our colleague at the Ryerson Review of Journalism, who's written the feature, What's Black and White and Green All Over. You can read Ben's feature on The Weed Beat in the Ryerson Review of Journalism, which is coming out next week. We have our launch party on April 12th. That's at the Sterling Room, so please join us if you're in Toronto. And pick up a copy. You can order one online at rrj.ca, and there will also be copies available in chapters. Pull Quotes is produced by Jacob McNair, Laura Howells, and me, Emily Pardo. Executive producers are Sonia Fada and Stephen Trumper. Big thanks to Angela Glover for her help in the recording booth. Follow us on Twitter at PullQuotesRRJ and drop us an email at PullQuotes at Ryerson.ca. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week.